he put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. If you've been with us during July, you know we've been in this whole series of parable that Matthew records one after another. Two weeks ago, we were hearing about a sower sowing seeds that landed on all different kinds of ground. Then last week, we had the story of a sower, one sowing good seed, weed, but another sower, a second sower, sowing weeds right in the midst of the wheat. This morning, we have five different images, five different parables that Jesus shares here in this one section of Matthew. They all talk about the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, or if I may paraphrase, what it's like to grow into Christ's likeness. Jesus is trying to help those who are listening and help us understand what he's talking about. What is God doing in the world? What is this kingdom of heaven? Well, the five different images, as I read over and over them this week, it was almost impossible to hold all of those in my head at the same time while trying to think, how do I go about living my Christian life? So I've condensed them a little bit and put those that I thought were similar together. So we're going to just have three groups to look at today those first two images i've put together in the first group the idea of a mustard seed and leaven they both seem to me to be talking about the same thing what it means when something starts to grow or something starts to rise or something begins to advance that's what jesus says that there's this smallest of seed this mustard seed and it begins to grow you can hardly see it to begin with but then it grows bigger and bigger it becomes a great shrub finally it's so big it looks like a tree or he says it's like a little leaven that's put with flour maybe not a little some of the biblical commentators said that this three measures of leaven would be enough for 50 pounds of flour or one said for a hundred loaves of bread so a little leaven but it's going to impact lots of loaves it's going to have a really big impact even though you may not see it at first so a little leaven impacts lots of loaves and the smallest seed grows large that's what the kingdom of heaven is like jesus says this kingdom of heaven this rule of god is growing is rising 
is advancing. But the question we must ask, is it true in our life? Is it true in your life? Jesus says it's happening in the world, even if you don't see it right now. Oh, it's happening. God is at work. But is it happening in your life? Or another way I put it in the outline, are you being formed ever more into the image of Christ's likeness? That's one of the phrases Trevor Hudson in our book this month uses, the image of Christ's likeness. It's an important question to ask ourselves from time to time. Are we growing ever more into the image of Christ? Can you see change in your life because of your faith? These parables raise those questions for us. It's important for us to reflect and evaluate our own Christian life, our own day-to-day practices to make sure that we're growing in the image of Christ. But while we're thinking about that, let's also look at that last image. That last one was that there are some people fishing and they throw a net out. They cast a net to catch fish. The net gets full, they bring it in, and then they begin to separate it. But rather than that being a current reality, reality like those first two, verse 49 says this is going to be at the end of the age. This is a future reality, this separation of good and evil, the righteous from the unrighteous. It's going to happen at the end of the age. You may not be able to see it now, in other words. It's that same theme we touched on last week that sometimes we don't see the hand of God. We can't recognize the hand of God at work. There's some injustice or wrong in our lives or in the world and we wonder where God is and we can't always see it. Jesus says at the end of the age it will be clear, but we can also recognize it in those first two images that even though you don't see it because it may be like a small seed, it's going to grow bigger and bigger and more visible. Oh, even though you don't see the leaven at first, it's going to rise and impact lots of loaves until you'll be able to see what God is doing in the world. This Jesus movement is going to be a growing thing, in other words. It's going to change lives. It's going to change the world. The kingdom of heaven is coming, Jesus is saying. But, of course, the question for us is, are we ready? I mean, some of these stories he's telling are, are pretty radical. Are you ready to respond in faith? That is the thrust of the third group or the middle two images. How shall we respond to this emerging kingdom of heaven that Jesus just keeps talking about over and over again? These middle two images are about how we respond in faith. He says it's like a fellow who was out in a field and found a treasure. He went away and sold everything so that he could buy the field so he could have the treasure. Or he says it's like a merchant who was looking for pearls and upon finding a really fine pearl, went and sold everything to buy that one pearl. Sold everything? Everything? That's what Jesus says. He sold everything to have that treasure, to have that pearl. The kingdom of heaven is that important? Is it growing? Is it that big? Is it that important in your life? These parables raise the issue of what is most valuable in our lives. What is most valuable in your life? Really sell everything? 
That's what Jesus says in these parables. It reminded me of Saul, who had this dramatic conversion experience and became Paul or St. Paul, one who's credited with writing much of what we have in our Christian scriptures and what we call the New Testament. He talks about how this happened to him, that he was a man of great faith, that he was zealous about God and his faith. But then he met Christ, and it changed everything. If you have your Bibles there, flip over to Philippians. Paul's writing to these early Christians at Philippi. He's telling his story. I want to read you just a few verses, beginning in verse 7 of that third chapter. Paul says, Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul's a great testimony. And when you encounter Christ Jesus face to face, when you run in to this God who's alive in our world, it changes your life. It changes your values. It's supposed to impact the way that you live and the way you treat others. It's supposed to change what you value most. Like the fellow who found a treasure in a field and went and bought it, sold everything. Or the one who found the fine pearl, went and sold everything so that he might buy the pearl. Kind of reminded me of a fellow I know who went into financial planning to make money. But he was a Christian and he saw so many people in need. He found himself giving away many of his professional services to help other people making no money but helping others it's like the school teacher who quit her job because she wanted to spend more time at home with her children and yet found herself more and more sharing her expertise at her local church because there were so many children there that she could help it's like the fellow who retired so he could play more golf. But after a while, he found that he was spending more and more of his time with the poor and the homeless. Because the kingdom of heaven was growing in their lives. It changed them, changed their values. Has it changed you? But these two parables, those, those last two we looked at, those middle two are really even more radical than those examples. It's more like the student who had a full scholarship to go to graduate school, but felt God calling her into the mission field and so gave up the scholarships, left school, and went to serve to help children in an impoverished country. Or it's like the guy that I know who was a very successful salesman. He worked in medical sales. He made lots of money. He had a big house, drove a beautiful car, had a wonderful family, took expensive vacations. But you know what he did recently? He sold his house and sold his car. He moved downtown in the city in which he lived because he felt like God was calling him to help reach the underserved in his city. It changed what he valued most. 
Where does your encounter with Christ change you? Where does your encounter with Christ change your life? Oh, it can be frightening to hear Jesus calling us to surrender all. And yet that's what the parables certainly seem to be suggesting. Not that we necessarily give away all of our material possessions, but we offer them all to God. We begin to recognize they're all from the hand of God, gifts of God, that we're stewards. We're to use them as God leads us to make all of who we are available to God can be a frightening thing. We kind of like to be in charge. We think we are in control. But these parables that Jesus told Talk about a different kind of reality in terms of how we handle who we are and what we have. In a way, you could say this book I've asked you to read this month is about that. How do we offer our whole self to Christ? How do we offer our whole self to God? He lays out a lot of different ways to do that. I've been sharing these different practices that he outlines in the book. I want to read you just a few sentences where he talks about what it means to offer our whole self to God. Letting go and letting God seldom happens without grace and grit. Relinquishing what needs to be laid down usually feels like a slow, lingering, and painful death. Consequently, we often prefer to cling to the way things have been. Even if this choice cancels out possibilities for growth and change, facing up to this resistance and sharing the struggle to let go with a trusted soul friend usually prefaces the relinquishment process. So our first practice that I offer to you today is to find a soul friend or a spiritual friend that can help us offer it all to Christ that will walk this road of discipleship with us this conversion road where we give more and more of who we are and what we have over to God's leading 